1: So welcome to listeners, I am here with someone who very early in my health journey kind of became a little bit of a hero in my world, and I don't know to what extent she knows this, but as I'm saying it, you know she's rolling her eyes a little bit, Um, humility kind of ekes out of all of her pores, which is another reason I very much wanted to invite uh, Therese McAllister onto the program today, she is someone who is a local high school teacher she also is going to share with us some um, kind of radical health things that happen in her life and how she's decided to live uh, just a life of wellness and of proactive wellness and of reactive wellness. And it's just a lot of cool stuff for listeners to get to hear. So first and foremost, Teresa, I want to say thank you so much for being willing to come on and kind of share parts of your story with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I consider it a, an incredible gift to have been asked. So thank you.
1: Yeah, so the way I first came across uh, Therese is as a YMCA instructor. So early on in kind of my health journey, one of the more empowering spaces I stepped into and really grew from was taking the YMCA's body pump classes. And Therese is someone that I took the class from on Wednesday evenings. And I'll, I'll share in a little bit here, but Therese is the person who really opened up my awareness of neuroplasticity and how we can actively rewire the brain with positive messaging. And so I'll share about that in a little bit here, but Therese, you're very much into health and wellness and fitness, but that hasn't always been the case. Would you be willing to kind of start with us or share with us rather, how did that all start for you?
0: You know, it's been a journey, right? Like anything that we are pursuing all the time in our lives. I would say that it's just been kind of an on again, off again, journey. There would be times in my life where where I was very health conscious and fit and exercising all the time. And then there'd be times where that completely fell apart. And it was just sort of an up down sort of situation that changed significantly in 2015. I happened to be on an on again cycle. I had just gone for my routine mammogram. You know, I'd always been called back for those things. So I was used to getting called back, but this time it was different. And And I'm very fortunate because I did not miss mammograms. You know, I took them very seriously. It was an early catch. It was stage zero. Oh, wow. I know. (laughs) Stage zero, they called it. And I was fortunate in that I had a surgical cure. So I had a bilateral mastectomy, decided to go through reconstruction at the urging of a surgeon, and then ended up having that all undone. That's a whole another story. Okay. But but no chemo, no radiation. Hallelujah, right? Okay. Just Okay. Wow. So, um just from a routine mammogram, you know, they caught it. It was at that point, you know, when I was kind of waiting to go through all of those surgeries and just the terrifying anxiety and fear of facing something like that, where I started to actually ramp up my attendance at Body Pump. I was just a member, I was not a teacher at that point, and I but I had you know, gone to body pump on and off and body pump is like a a one hour full body weight training. And I began to notice that it was during that hour that I wasn't afraid I was going to
1: die. Oh, that's incredible to share, but also terrifying that that was the exception.
0: Right, right. It was. But what I noticed, um, or what I decided in a body pump class was that I was going to get through this thing and then give that to other people. Very cool. So went through all of that and became an instructor shortly after my final surgery. At the time, I couldn't even lift the bar, my pectoral muscles had been sliced and diced and in the process of reconstruction. And um, so I had to start out just very much at ground zero. But then it was kind of like once I started to teach that my, you know, I, I decided to make it part of my job. And then you have to suit up and show up no matter what you feel like. And so it kind of worked to help me give that feeling to other people. But it also helped me because then this was my job, I had to show up and teach this class to people no matter what I felt like
1: would it be fair Therese to say considering where your health was at that time so severely compromised not able to do all of the things yet you showed up anyway that feels like you're indicating that we can really start at any level and build is that one of the things you believe to be true
0: it is when I talk to the people who aren't generally active, or maybe they've been inactive for a while, they have this fear, right? And they feel like they can't show up to class until they've reached some certain fitness milestone. And that is completely false, right? Right. Because if you wait until you're fit enough to come to class, then why do you have to come to class? Right. Right. And class is about, you know, group fitness is about being together and supporting one another. And People are always worried that they're going to be looked at. People are going to judge them. Honestly, everybody is just busy taking their own inventory. You know, they're in their own heads. They're not really paying attention to what other people can and can't do. And so body pump, especially is a beautiful place to start because you stand in one spot. It's not crazy movement around where, you know, there's all this, you know, unpredictability. Now, Um, to be fair, though,
1: body pump is an aggressive looking situation when you walk in and you have the steps set up and you have the barbell set up and you have the free weight set up and you have some jacked people standing around you. Like it can look intimidating.
0: It looks intimidating all day long. And you know there's all this fear, right? I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a mistake. I'm gonna do it wrong. But really just doing it is so important at whatever level you're at, right? Just show up and start. It is the hardest thing in the world. I get it. Body Pump though like through my own fitness journey where I would be fit and then not fit and then not Body Pump was always the gateway for me. It was cool. always the place where I got back on the train because even though it looks intimidating, it is completely manageable.
1: We have this love and this passion for Body Pump. I also did I ever you didn't teach step, did you?
0: I teach it now.
1: Okay, cuz for some reason I was like, well, a couple of years ago I wonder if that was a thing too, but I know for sure that I took work from you for I think it was like yeah. the summer before the pandemic, and while it might not have been your favorite, I I love work. Work is dance yeah. fitness, and I think that's such a fun and kind of zany oh, way to yeah. engage conditioning. It
0: speaks to so many people. Yeah. Dance fitness is a beautiful thing. I wish it was my thing. Yeah. I have tried to make it my thing because not just the the movement, but the brain work involved. Yeah in the movement and right and left and all of that engagement in your brain and remembering steps, et cetera, is so beneficial. I totally wish it were my thing.
1: So you, you do body pump. That is your thing. You love it. You're locked in as an instructor there. Mm -hmm. You get the credentials for work, which is its, its own separate kind of giant process to go through. And then you say, well, that one's not so much for me. Tell yeah, us about the other avenues you've gone down and where you're kind of currently camping out.
0: Well, so once I got that body pump certification and got a taste of what it was like to um, be in charge, right? <laughs> right. Um, there's the Is teacher. that the teacher
1: side of you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: yeah. 27 years of teaching high school English. You don't come out of that. Not a great, right. right? So I just kept going. Like I got the body pump certification and then I got body combat and then I got body flow and then I got a core class. Uh, certification, and then I got spin, and then I got a yoga certification, and then I became a personal trainer, which I've never once used, but I have it in my pocket in case I need. Yeah. It. So I just kept going, getting certifications. I'm currently working on a nutrition certification to accompany all that, because what I've learned is that you can move around all day, and if you don't put the right things in your body, yeah. You're just shooting yourself in the foot.
1: One of my favorite reframes for that is don't diet and exercise you fuel and condition.
0: Yeah. And
1: I just thought that was such a cool concept. Like you don't have to be a hardcore athlete to take those things seriously. And be yeah. very intentional about fueling and conditioning. I think that's such a neat thing that we all have access to. So nutrition is, what do they say? You
0: cannot run your fork, right? Right. And I think, you know, that is an interesting mind shift, right? Just to have a person start to see themselves as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Because when we think of athlete, of course, we're thinking Michael Phelps and we're thinking all the people, you know, doing sports. Yeah. But anybody who is conditioning their body is an athlete and you have to fuel it as such and think of yourself that way right As training you know for life right training for all that stuff we want to do all day long
1: so you say for life what keeps you checked in besides Um, the being the one in charge
0: yeah (laughs) um Well, I love it so much. You know, I love feeling good, which isn't to say it's always easy for me to get on the suit and go, you know, it's not, but just the benefits. I mean, I'm out to be on this planet as long as I can and to be able to move and do the things that I want to do as long as I can. And especially as I age and, you know, I'm noticing that things are wearing out. Uh (laughs) The irony there is that I have to keep it moving in order to keep using it. And so I don't know, it just, I think too, after a while, it just becomes part of who you are. I feel off now if I don't get some movement in and it doesn't have to be crazy movement, you know, even a walk.
1: One of the the dynamics that you bring into the classes that I've been able to attend, and I assume to all of the classes that you're able to lead is this kind of the positive psychology of we get to do this, we can do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember very specifically, you know, we're doing deadlift. And you're saying to us, you're saying, you guys, do you get that fewer than 10% of the people in the world get up and do these things that you're doing? Like mm-hmm. you're doing this and it's because you can do this. And right. for months you would say things like that. And it was probably about six months of taking just one Wednesday night class from you where those words were just reverberating for me. They were saying, Stephanie, you can do this. You get to do this. And the drudgery of it all really fell away. And it wasn't single-handedly Therese, but it was heavily influenced by your. Your positive reminder that this is a blessing and an opportunity where do you get that particular
0: perspective you know having spent a little bit of time unable you know recovering from surgeries etc unable to do the things I wanted to do I try to never lose sight of that you know uh-huh. that we just don't know what life's going to throw at us we don't know what we're getting ready for so when I think about showing up and moving it feels to me like an act of gratitude right like I show up because I can, I'm able, and if I wanna stay able, I need to do that. It's really good for me to hear you say that, though, because sometimes I feel like such a broken record, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're probably so tired of hearing the same stuff coming out of my head. But honestly, I believe it to be true. And if you've spent any amount of time being unable, then you get that. And But you're right. It's a total mind shift, right? Like, this is not what I have to do to stay mm-hmm. healthy. I don't have to do anything, but I get to. It's an opportunity and a privilege. It's a privilege to exercise.
1: So if it helps at all, we tend to have to hear something on average eight to 12 times before it actually sticks and before it starts to create some pathways for us. So if you're redundant for months on end, you're doing us all a favor, my friend.
0: Yeah. Years. It's been years. <laughs>
1: yeah, good. So do you run into resistance where people are just kind of committed to, you know, kind of the grossness of exercise, the grime of it? And they complain, like, how, how do you work with the temperament that resists the opportunity, privilege, gratitude perspective?
0: Well, I think that, you know, being in a place where people are choosing to come, right. And this is the difference between my day job and my night job, right? Sure. Because during the day I'm teaching these high school juniors how to write and they They have to be there. And so then at night, I go to this place where people come, whether willingly or not, whether they've been told they should or not, or they just want to, it is a different mindset. Mm -hmm. You you can leave at any time. Nobody is making you be here. So I really don't run into that kind of resistance that is like, I don't want to do this. I do run into, man, this is difficult. And then my response is always most things worth doing are, you know, and that's just the way it is. So maybe I
1: don't want to do this isn't a thing, but what about, I can't do this, that mental barrier of this isn't for me, I don't have these talents. I don't have the grit or the stamina.
0: I try to remind people that they're way stronger than they think they are. You got to think back to periods in your life where you've accomplished something and draw from those reserves, right? That Mm -hmm. I can do this again. Of course, I think part of it also comes from finding something you, you like to do, love to do is might be asking a lot at first, but what is the thing that right now, if you have to choose from all of the variety that is available to us, where's your group, right? You got to find yeah. what your deal is. There's no sense in wasting time. Like if body pump or body combat is not your thing, then find something else. Dance, fitness, or walk your dog or whatever it is. But it's it's all too short to to be suffering through things we don't want to do that are just absolute torture,
1: yeah, I think that's that's great perspective. And then we're of course talking to someone who is you said 75 certifications, 80 certifications deep, something aggressive. But I'm being <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. You know, yeah. listeners can't necessarily see my face. It's like seven there. or eight. Yeah, but what you're what you're letting us know is. You've cast a pretty wide net. I mean, yoga is significantly different from work, which is significantly different from pump, which is incredibly different from step. I mean, that's a pretty big sampling of opportunities that people might have available to them.
0: They do. And I, you know, I kind of did that selfishly because if I was going to teach, I was going to teach a lot because that's just how I run. Yeah. And I wanted to have a lot of different um, ways that my body was going to be working. So, you know, even if you choose the one thing you love, it's a good idea to choose something else to complement it, right? Right. So that you're not just doing the same thing over and over again, and wearing out your body in the same way, right? You want to work it in different ways. But I also sort of did it selfishly, because I knew there would be a time in my life where maybe I wouldn't be able to do body combat anymore. And so I wanted to have things backup plans. Um, Okay, well, yoga, I can teach yoga forever, right? Or spin, We will ride a bike if I can't jump around anymore. So you have to just be thinking about your future, right? Like if I can't do this thing that I love, what, what other thing could there be for me that will help me maintain what I want to maintain?
1: I love that. I think for me, I learned that somewhat the hard way when I was attending title boxing and they closed, I was five days a week boxing and I was enamored with it. And then something outside of my control happened and it was no longer accessible and so I, you know, I had to piecemeal oh. together where to go from there, but I found things I love, but I had been so kind of laser focused on this is the one thing that I really grieved it when that was no longer accessible.
0: And that's a terrible feeling to have a terrible situation to be in, especially if it's not of your choosing. Right. right. And I just, I don't want to feel that way. So right. try to keep it buried.
1: So if someone's listening and they're like, Hey, maybe I want to make some more intentional moves in my physical health. What is a practical starting point for someone who is in the contemplation stage of
0: movement? I would say that it's important to remember that any move forward is a move forward, right? And so It doesn't have to happen huge or all at once, right? Any small steps that you take that you can maintain over time are going to be valuable in the long run. So, you know, what one thing could you do? You know, maybe today it's just, I go for a walk. Yeah. I walk, uh, maybe tomorrow it's, I add another block onto that. Maybe it's, I do some research on the internet and figure out what's available to me as far as group fitness and community support and settings for other kinds of movement but but I think it's important to realize that it doesn't that you don't have to be in a certain place to start you you start from wherever you are and then you take baby steps and it sounds
1: like you're also saying one of the things to do at the front end is find out what you even like
0: yeah who knows what you're what you like what you're capable of maybe you end up at the front of the room you know some I mean you just don't know
1: yeah, well, going back uh, kind of a an earlier point here, but when someone is in a health scare and feels the the need to kind of recoil and maybe shut down or or go insular, it sounds like you notice something very helpful about stepping into community. And having some sort of consistency going on, even while you're in the throes of a health journey.
0: Yeah, I would say, though, that thinking back to my own, I sort of did both things. Okay. I remember ramping up the body pump for sure. But I also remember that just before that, I had decided I was going to learn how to knit as a uh, means of staving off Alzheimer's, right? Okay. Okay. And so I had maybe an inch of knitting when that whole journey started. And in my fear, I kind of pulled in and I continued to knit only. I didn't know how to do anything except just a straight like piece of fabric. Right. So I sat in the corner of my couch and when I wasn't at body pump or I wasn't at work or doing the things I had to do I also retreated into the corner of my couch and I every stitch turned out to be as long as the serenity prayer oh interesting yeah so I I stitched and I said the serenity prayer and I think everybody loves Raymond was on the tv because that's light and doesn't you don't have to think about anything and I kept knitting and I wish I could show you what I have now I kept knitting through the whole two years that that took place. And I used to wrap it up and bring it with me. Anyway, the point is that I did both things, right? I got out and did the body pump, but I also took time to be inward Mm -hmm. and escape in other ways that that suited me. So you just kind of have to find your balance and figure out what it is that is going to get you through it.
1: Yeah. Am I hearing that you're going to have energy at some points and you use that to your advantage. You're going to have times where that's just not available to you. And that's okay too.
0: Absolutely. You have to be kind to yourself, not just physically, but mentally.
1: And to anyone going through a diagnosis and you're hearing, okay, well, this is how Therese did it. She, she rebounded and did A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Well, that's Therese's story. That doesn't have to be your story by any means. Mm -hmm. But one of the goals here is to, you know, really normalize that a lot of people make pivotal life changes once the diagnosis shows up. And not that you were living, you know, self-indulgently prior, but the focus shifted after a diagnosis.
0: Even more after was over, you know, after all the surgeries and all the recovery, and it's hard to be patient with that. I remember just wanting towards the end of it to be done and to be back to normal and going on these long walks because it was all I could do and wanting to be able to run, you know, wanting to be able to do more. But you just really have to be patient with that whole recovery process process.
1: And one of the things Teresa and I had quickly shared about as uh, we kind of set up for this particular episode is that idea of don't wait until there's a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so accessible to us to take health seriously, a diagnosis will shift things for them but we don't have to wait until that.
0: Yeah. Keep your appointments, you know, all your appointments that are for things that you can do things about. Go to the dermatologist, go to the eye doctor, go to, you know, I mean, we can get so wrapped up in our lives and those things get so inconvenient, but gosh, what a blessing that we have access to healthcare of some kind, you know, I mean, even if we're paying for it, it's still there for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Prevention was what saved my life. I can't emphasize that enough. I'll never forget. They, you know, when you go through that cancer journey, they do the genetic testing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, they're, they were asking me, you know, what, what do you want us to test for? And I'm like, well, at this point, let's just find out what we can do something about. Right. I don't really need to know right now if there's something looming in there that is something I can't do anything about, but there's so much that we can control. Get your colonoscopy for crying out loud. All of those. Things are just important because stage zero, that's where they caught me. You know, yeah. I, I sometimes feel like I had no journey because comparatively folks who are finding out at stage four, etc. Why not figure it out now? It's terrifying. Yeah. It is terrifying to go and hear that kind of potential news but way better when you can do something about it. Certainly, certainly.
1: And thank you for working to normalize not just the preventative side, but the proactive side. And Mm -hmm. not only do we have the opportunity, but to to a degree, we have a responsibility to take it
0: seriously. Yeah, well, not only to ourselves, but to the people in our lives who love us and care about us, you know? I mean, if you've had anybody in your life who waited or ignored or whatever, and then you learn about that, there's this, you know, like, what were you thinking, right? Yeah, it's just part of being, you know, our human selves to have to take care of ourselves. And we just need to keep doing that.
1: And before we wrap up here, one of the things when I reached out to you, and I said, Therese, I love your story, I would love to share your story. You said, Oh, Steph, I'm not all that consistent. I'm not all that good at this. And and you know, I know you to be quite a, a humble person. But talk to me about that um, insistence you have that perfection is not the goal.
0: Oh, my gosh, if it Were, be
1: there, girlfriend. Put on
0: the couch. Yeah, I mean, I have my own personal struggles, right? Like nutrition is a huge deal for me. You know, when things aren't going my way, the first thing I want is donuts, and so it is very much a daily. Nope an hourly sometimes minute by minute decision to do the right thing and I don't always do the right thing now I've made fitness part of my job so that's working for me right like I'm moving all the time I could not be happier with that decision but the places I struggle are with nutrition and it's just every day I gotta make a a choice sometimes minute by minute but that's just part of it right I mean who does this perfectly so then you know you have to to grant yourself some grace, you know, and, and just don't quit. Yeah. Don't quit trying to do the next right thing but it's not easy. There's nothing about it that's easy. And I think it's really tempting for us to look at people who look like they've got it under control because of the way they look physically and think that it's easy for them. And it's not easy for them either. And theoretically,
1: even if it were easy,
0: other things in their life are more of a challenge. Absolutely. What's that thing about, you know, let's all put our problems on the table. Right. We'll be snatching ours back. So it's very much a process and nothing I do perfectly. I am excited about having put measures in place to control what I can control. yeah, I can control whether I go to the gym or not. If people wanted to attend
1: a Therese class, which I've told you, for me, it truthfully rerouted my brain structure. It helped with physique. Um, It really helped lock me into fitness, which turns out I love and I had no idea of that several years back. Where can they find you? What does does your very uh, filled schedule look like?
0: Well, I'm at the YMCA, right? In Grand Rapids here. I'm at a variety of branches. The Y has schedules online and you can look there for group fitness classes. You can even look by instructor. And it would be cool if you did end up in my class to tell me this is why, right? That would be super exciting. So you can just kind of look on the schedule and see who's teaching what, et cetera. I think there's a tab for that. Or if you belong to the Y or you went to the Y, they could give you a schedule as well.
1: Awesome. So as we wrap up here, do you have any kind of parting thoughts, parting wisdom that you'd like to offer listeners?
0: Wow. I don't know what that would be except don't wait to start, right? Don't feel like you have to be in a certain place or you have to wait for the stars to line up just right before you make a decision to do something good for yourself because you're so worth it. (laughs) I love it. It reminds
1: me of the idea of when a, when a toddler is learning to walk and they get up the first time and they fall, no one's pointing at that baby saying, what a doofus. I can't believe (laughs) you didn't do that right the first time. Right. Right? But they, they build their muscle strength. They can stand up longer Then they take their first step. Then they walk halfway across the room. And
0: that's what you're doing when you engage fitness for the first time. Yeah. And you're really tuning into yourself, you know, and I would say never stop returning to yourself and trying to do the next right thing, whatever that is for you.
1: I love it. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. Therese, thank you so much for spending time today. Just kind of sharing your heart with listeners, your passion with listeners your drive your perspective it's so much appreciated
0: thanks so much for taking the time to listen please share this content with friends and family feel free to connect with stephanie at healing through 21 at gmail.com until next time be well